Well, I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to 1 Thessalonians and uh, go ahead and start reading through 1 Thessalonians. Read through it several times. I'm going to be preaching on first Th- uh, through 1 Thessalonians, and uh, so it's going to take a little while to do that, but uh, read through it on your own, study it on your own, and uh, become familiar uh, with that text of Scripture. And so uh, as we look at this particular book in the Bible, uh, we realize that uh, it covers so many topics, uh, but uh, one of the things that uh, it covers more, most prominently is the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But as we open up and begin to uh, do our study here in 1 Thessalonians, the very first thing that we find here is Paul's introduction. Those very common uh, thing as we look in uh, the epistles we find it is very common for Paul to go ahead and introduce himself uh, at the very beginning uh, of the letter and so it was common writing style of the day in which they lived that uh, you know today uh, we, we put our name at the end of a letter and they put their name at the beginning of a letter and he would go ahead and give the greeting and give that salutation there at the very uh, beginning where again where it would be our custom to do it uh, at the end but he but it's interesting in this particular uh, book of the Bible in 1 Thessalonians, he says, Paul and Sylvanius and Timothy. And so as he does this, he, he adds uh, Sylvanius, which we, uh, uh, which we understand is, all, is uh, Silas. And so we know that Silas was there uh, with Paul on those missionary journeys. We also saw last week of how uh, in Acts chapter 16 that Paul picked up Timothy along the way and he went with him on those missionary journeys. And so as we looked at last week of how the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17, they went into uh, the city of Thessalonica and they went in there to start a church and so they started preaching the gospel started off in the synagogues things didn't go all that well Jason got arrested and Paul and his crew got kicked out of town amen and so they were ran out of town they had to literally run for their life and so as they were kicked out of town they were running for their life they uh, had to go to Berea uh, and as as they did that they uh, arrested Jason and as they arrested Jason Jason had to pay a big fine, and then they let him go. But the, as they let him go, the charge with him was is that they allowed these troublemakers, who was Paul and who was Silas and who was Timothy, they allowed these troublemakers that upset the whole world. Right? They're upsetting the whole world with the preaching of the gospel. So they allowed these troublemakers to come into his home and to start a church there within his home, and probably as a, a, a means of them letting him go and paying this fine, they said, you better not let him come back. <laughs> right? You better not let this man come back. And so Paul wanted to come back to Thessalonica. Paul wanted to come back there and he wanted to continue the work in which was very quickly shut off. Because remember, he was only there about two weeks, right? He was there for three Sabbaths, which probably equated to two weeks that he was there. So there for a very short amount of time. So he couldn't go back. So what did he do? He sent Timothy back, right? So as he sent Timothy back, he includes Timothy and Silas in uh, this introduction. Now clearly it was Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that wrote this letter, but he is including both Silas or Silvanus and Timothy as those who are there that, that, that are with him, that went with him into Thessalonica, but also are bringing about uh, this message, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you turn over in the first Thessalonians chapter 3 real quick, in, in, uh, beginning in verse 6, 
the Bible tells us there, uh, in that particular text of Scripture, it says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and your love and that uh, you always thinking kindly of us, uh, longing to see us uh, just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all of our distress and afflictions, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we are uh, uh, really... Uh, uh, for for now we uh, uh, really uh, really live, and if you stand uh, in the Lord, for what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy which we re- rejoice before our God on your account, as we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. And so here it is. So they, they, they send Timothy on back to Thessalonica. Timothy then comes and he comes back to Paul and he reports all of the good things that are taking place there in Thessalonica. But there's some things that uh, Paul says right there in uh, chapter 3. There's some things that are lacking in your faith. And, and so I believe those things that are lacking in their faith, those things that they were lacking, they had some questions. And so Paul began to answer those questions and began to answer them in chapter 4, began to answer them in chapter 5, continued to answer them in chapter 5. You see, apparently when Paul came that first time, Paul began speaking about teaching them about the second coming of Jesus, and he apparently didn't have time to uh, finish that teaching on the second coming of Jesus, and so he was he had to leave town, had to leave town in a hurry. So now they had some questions about this. So since Paul's leaving of town, apparently there had been some of the loved ones of the church, some of those who had believed on Jesus and had been saved, but yet they passed away. And so their question to Paul was, you know, did our uh, loved ones, or did they miss out on the second coming, right? Because they passed away, they, they, uh, they've died, and so since they have died, are they going to miss out on the second coming of Jesus? Now, I'm not going to fully talk about that uh, as of yet. We'll talk about that when we get into chapter 4 and then get into chapter 5. But as... Uh, that was something that they were lacking in. So basically what Paul was telling them, Paul was saying, okay, I know what's going on in your church. I heard all the good things that's going on there. Even though I myself have not been able to be with you, Timothy is now receiving, uh, uh, bringing back word of all of the great and wonderful things, but also the things in which you're lacking in, right? And so he's going to address those things. But what Paul was basically saying right here, by including uh, Silas and Timothy in this, introduction is I've received word from Timothy. I know what's going on. I know what's happening within your church. Though I'm not there, I have heard the news of what's going on there. So though I'm not actually physically with you, I am with you in spirit. Amen. And so as we begin to look at that, uh, he goes on and addresses the church. And as he continues to address the church, he says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. So who is this letter to? This letter was to the church of the Thessalonians. That's who the letter was to. It's to the church, right? You know, most of the letters the Apostle Paul wrote were to the church. Right now, uh, Brother Aaron is, is teaching in Sunday school through Titus. And so who is that letter to? It was to Titus. It was 
to a pastor that was there to give him some pastoral instructions, some pastoral advice of how uh, to, to the things of the church ought to go. He also did that uh, with Timothy, and we also see uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to Philemon as well. And so when we begin to look at that, uh, those, were th- those were three individuals that the Apostle Paul wrote letters to through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but everything else was to the church. Amen. It was to the church, and here the same thing was. Now again, Paul couldn't be with them at this particular time, but his spirit uh, was with them. And so when we begin to understand that, you know, we're talking about the church, and this morning as we talk about the church and begin to understand uh, what the church is, what is the church? The church is the ecclesia. The church, that is a biblical word for church. The church is the ecclesia. The church is the assembly. The church is not property. The church is not an address. The church is not brick and mortar. The church is not made out of anything uh, physical or earthly whatsoever. The church is the body of Christ. It is the individual members that are born again believers in Jesus Christ. And they come together and they make up the body of Christ. That is what the church is. It is the assembly. Now in the Old Testament, what you find there in the Old Testament, you find... Uh, the, the people of God as being the nation of Israel, right? They, they are of God's old covenant. They are God's chosen people. They are God's chosen nation. And so they themselves was a type of an ecclesia. They themselves was a type of assembly. They were a gathered nation, right? They were a chosen people that God had gathered together. And though they had leaders throughout the course of their history that God used, it was always, it was never about that particular individual. In other words, it was never about Moses. It was never about Samuel. It was never about David. It was never about any of those individuals. It was always about the whole. Amen. It was always about the ecclesia. It was always about the assembly. And so here, that's what we find as the Apostle Paul is addressing that new covenant uh, assembly, that new covenant uh, gathering, which is the ecclesia. It is the assembly. And so as we understand this, never about the individual, though God does care for us deeply individually, and God does minister to us individually. Friends, we are a part of something. Amen. We are a part of a body. There's no such thing as that lone gunman Christian. Amen. There's no such thing. Somebody that's part of a ministry and does ministry. For instance, an evangelist. I always say, well, what church are you a member of? I won't come to your church and preach. Okay, well, where are you based out of? Well, I'm on my own. That's not biblical. Amen. That's not biblical. In any way, shape, or form, they need to be connected to a church. Amen? And if they're not connected to a church, then something's wrong. They, they, they need to be connected to that church. And now, there, there's other organizations like Franklin Graham's uh, 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 Ministry of Samaritan Purse uh, and things like that. And they're kind of an entity uh, um, on their own, but they're supported by the church. And, and it's because of the church, uh, the church is, that, that, that they're supported by that's keeping them going. Amen. But, but as far as that lone gunman that's out there kind of doing their own thing their own way, that's not biblical in any way, shape, or form. It's just not biblical. Amen? 
And it's also not biblical for any Christian to be out there on their own, doing their own thing their own way. Not biblical. Now, can a Christian be a Christian and not be plugged into a church? Absolutely. But I believe they're going to be a miserable Christian. And they're not going to be a growing Christian. Amen? But here it is that Paul, he couldn't be with the church at this particular time. And even though he couldn't be with the church at this particular time, he mentions something in verse 2. He says, we give thanks to God always for you. But he was thankful for the church. He knew what was happening in the church. In fact, we're going to continue next week to look at the rest of chapter 1. And as we look at the rest of chapter 1, probably not just next week, next couple of weeks, we're going to look at uh, the rest of chapter 1. He goes through there and he lists all the things he's thankful for them about. This is why I'm thankful for you. Amen? But he's thankful for the church. And it's interesting that the Apostle Paul mentions that he's thankful for the church. We ought to be thankful for the church. We ought to be thankful for the, uh, the, 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 the church and the ministry and the work and the, uh, the, the Word of God that is preached there. We ought to be thankful for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's interesting that every single church within uh, the New Testament the Apostle Paul wrote to, to, every single one of them except for one, he said, I'm thankful for you. The only one he didn't say, I'm thankful for you, is to the church of Galatia. And they had fallen for a false gospel of which the Apostle Paul said, you stand accursed, and, and you who has bewitched you. Can't be thankful for you. <laughs> Amen? Because you're, you're chasing after a false gospel. And he's trying to set them straight. He's trying to get them back on the right path for the one true gospel. Right? Can't be thankful for you if you're if you're preaching false gospels and you're standing on wrong doctrines and you're not going the right way. But the true church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is proclaiming the gospel message of Jesus Christ and standing up for the things that are right and pursuing Jesus. Absolutely, we need to be thankful for every single church. And if we could be there, we could be there. Now Paul couldn't be there. Amen. He wanted to be there. His heart was there. His desire was there. That's why he was thankful for the church. He was thankful for what God was doing. There's there's a lot of folks today that they want to be at their church. They just physically can't be. Maybe it's illness that has kept them away. I remember you know, ministering to folks in the military as they're going overseas and they're serving our country or maybe their jobs uh, won't allow them to come, whatever it is. Whatever particular reason it is, they, they want to be there, but they can't be there. And that's understandable. Minister to shut-ins, minister to folks in nursing homes. I talked to Miss Fredna. She wants to be here. Amen? She can't. Her heart's here. She loves this church. Every It never fails. Every time I go by to visit her, she's always asking, how's the church going? How's the church doing? She loves this church. And she would be here in a heartbeat if she could, but she can't. If there's all kinds of folks who can be here, but they're not going to be here. Amen? Today's the first day of spring. This is the first day of all kinds of excuses why I can't be at church today. Amen? I mean, you, there's a thousand and one of them. I know I'm preaching to the choir in that regard. 
But when it comes to, because you're here, but when, when it comes to, well, we come up with a thousand and one reasons and excuses of why we can't come. Friend, if we truly understand what the church is and we're thankful for who the church is, and then we're going to be there. If we can be there. Amen? Because we're going to love the church and we're going to be thankful for the church. Friends, every time somebody gets saved, you ought to be thankful for your church. Amen? Amen? Every time you hear the Word of God taught, every time you hear the Word of God preached, you ought to be thankful for the church. Every single time you see a, you see a soul that's ministered to. You know, uh, this morning we, we, we heard the thank you card from uh, Aunt T's family and, and, and from them, and so, you know, that is a testament of, of thankfulness for the church. No doubt, uh, Aunt T was thankful for her church. Amen? And praise God that the church stepped up the occasion and ministered to the family and still is. I'll be thankful for our church for so many reasons, for so many things. Amen? Be thankful that the church is there. Be thankful that the church is ministering. And so when we begin to think about the church, we begin to think about what the church is, we begin to think about who the church is and say, you know, the, the, the church is important. And it's not just that, you know, I'm here, here telling you today, well, because I'm the pastor and you know, I'm invested in this thing. And, you know, if, uh, if, if, if we've got a house full of people, then, you know, that, that builds my pride up and says that I'm doing good. No, that's not the reason. That's not the purpose. The, the, the purpose is because the church is important. How important is the church? The Bible says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, it says, Be on guard for yourself and for the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The shepherd, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. What did Jesus purchase with his own blood? The church of God. Friends, that's important. Amen? That's important. The church is of great value, and here it is that the Apostle Paul is speaking now to the church of Thessalonica, being thankful for them and understanding who they were and being understand, uh, understanding why they were a church, and they were a church because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Look back at verse 1. Verse 1 says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of Thess uh, Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, that is the very reason you are a church is because of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The very reason that you exist today and function today and assemble today is because of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ because God initiated it, because Jesus paid for it and He paid for the church with His own blood. Therefore, it is extraordinarily important and he paid for each and every single one of you. He purchased you, every single one of you, with His own blood. And so as you come together today and you assemble together, each individual one of you, and you become the ecclesia, you become the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you come together as one body, as one unit that has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe you're the most valuable thing on the face of this earth. Amen? We determine value by 
What it cost, and friend, the church cost the blood of Jesus. Cost the life of Jesus. Well, you better believe it's valuable. Paul knew that, and we need to know that. Amen? We need to know that. There's so many who can't come that do know that and their heart's broken and they grieve because they can't be here and they know the value of the church yet their physical body won't allow them to be here. Whatever circumstance is going on won't allow them to be there. But there's so many that have no idea the value and the importance of the church to just make a choice not to come. And I pray that one day their eyes will be open that they will understand Amen? Especially for those young families that are, are, are raising up children. Let them raise those children up in the house of the Lord so that those children can grow and understand. I believe sometimes parents make the mistake of just telling children that they, well, why do you go to church? I, I hear children all the time, I was raised in church, don't have anything to do with it anymore. I, I went my own way. But, you know, we're raised of uh, 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 saying that you have to come to church. Now, there's nothing wrong. And I think every, every parent, Brother Aaron talked about that this morning, that his dad set a standard. You're going to be at church. Amen? Heard of people talk about drug problems that they had as a child, but their drug problem was they was drugged to church every Sunday. Amen? That was their drug problem that they had. But And there's nothing wrong. We need to set that standard. Amen? We also need to instill in them why we need to be there. What's the importance of it? What's the value of it? And when that child receives that and grows in that, they're not going to stray. Amen? And if they do, it's going to be for a season. It's just going to be for a short time. Then they're going to wake up like that prodigal son and say, what in the world am I doing here? And get back to where they ought to be. Amen? They're going to believe that. They're going to know that. And they're going to walk in that. But it is the church of God. It is a church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. And peace. So we look at the grace and the peace. It, 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 it's a, a, a for, it was a it was a formality that you know as we uh, we, we write our uh, dear John letters, dear whoever to whom this may concern, or or, or whatever it is, and this is the way we address our, uh, our our letters. And then we when we when we close those letters, that we usually put in there uh, at the uh, end of it, we'll give that salutations. We'll uh, uh, you know. Um, you know, you know, thank you for whatever, you know, we'll, we'll write on there uh, before our names. And it was customary to, uh, write, for the Jews to write peace, peace, shalom. The Jews today still say shalom. Right? They, they still say peace. But here Paul added something a little extra. Why, why do we have peace? Because of God's grace. Amen. Because of God's grace, the only reason that we have peace is because of the grace of God. So Paul added that little extra in there, grace and peace. Because you're not going to have peace apart from Jesus Christ. In fact, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Grace and peace. The only way we have peace with God is through the grace of God, which is through Jesus Christ. God the Father 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as he addresses this to the church and, he, and we're reminded of the importance of the church, we're reminded of the cost of the church, of the price of the church, and how the church came to be because of the Father, because of the Lord Jesus Christ through the grace of God. Therefore we have peace with God and he's thankful for the church but understand something else especially pertaining to the church of Thessalonica they were worried about the second coming of Jesus Christ guess who Jesus is coming back after his bride amen we looked there in Ephesians chapter 5 and guess who's coming after his spotless unblemished bride guess who the bride is it's the church amen That's who Jesus is coming back for. He's coming back for the church. Jesus is coming back for the church. And friends, we better look around at what's going on in the world today. And we better recognize the signs of the times. And we better understand something. Friends, Jesus is coming back and He's coming back soon. Oh, I've been hearing all that all my life. Well, friends, you're going to hear it more and more because the birth pangs are becoming more and more and more frequent and they're becoming more and more and more severe. And friends, the closer we get to the rapture of the church, the more frequent and the more severe those birth pangs are going to be. The signs of the end of the age that Jesus talked about and told His disciples about, the more we're going to see of those things and the more we are seeing of those things. And friends, Jesus is coming very, very soon. And when He does come, guess who He's coming for? It's the church. The church. And so when we recognize that, does that mean that somebody is not in fellowship with the church that's truly saved isn't going to get raptured? No. What are we going to look like when we get raptured up and say, Jesus, I wasn't in fellowship with your bride because I didn't really like your bride at the time. How well you think that's going to blow over? Amen? I mean, you think about that. You can come after me all you want to. I mean, you can slander me. You can talk about me. You can spit in my face. You can do, do whatever you want to do. I, it, I've got thick skin. I'll handle it well. It'll just blow over, right? Tomorrow will be a new day. I'll lose about a quarter second sleep over it. You come over, you come after my bride, it's a different story. You're going to see a man get upset. Amen? We need to be careful when we deal with the church. It's the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ that he purchased with his own blood. Amen? So when we look at that and understand that Jesus is coming back after who? Jesus is coming back after His own church. And so when we recognize that and we understand that, we look here in the Word of God in Hebrew in uh, in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse uh, 15, uh, the Bible says right there, He says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Understand that the dead in Christ is not most of our Baptist churches. Amen. That's the literal dead in Christ. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet them in the clouds, uh, to meet them, uh, the Lord in the air. So we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these 
words. Friends, understand. Jesus is coming back after His church. And we need to be thankful for the church. We need to be plugged into the church. We need to be invested into the church. Now we all love to quote, especially as pastors, we love to quote Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, uh, forsake not the assembling of one another. You know, we'll say that. We'll, we'll say, don't you, don't you forsake the assembling of one another. The Bible tells us, don't you forsake the assembling of one another. And that's absolutely true. But why should we not forsake the assembling of one another? Why does the Bible say that in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25? Well, the verse right before that, it says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. One of the purposes of the church. Amen? That's what Paul, though he wasn't with them, but that's what Paul who was doing to the church of Thessalonica, he was stimulating them towards love and good deeds. And that's what we ought to be doing as a church. And I praise God that Mill Creek Baptist Church is good at it. Amen? But every single one of us need to be a part of that. And it goes on in verse 25, And forsake not our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but, Encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. Building one another up. Then it goes on and says, And all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as you see the day drawing near. See the day drawing near. You see the times are that, that, that are in front of us. You see the times that are tough. We, we see the signs of the return of Christ all about us. It, it, it's tough days. It's difficult days regardless. You know, say, well, well, Jesus might not come back soon. Well, He might not. It's still tough days. So we need to encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Oh, sooner or later that, that sun's going to set. It's going to be all over with. Amen? But while we're living in this earth, we're going to face those tough days and we need to encourage one another. And so as we look at this and we continue to think about this, here it is, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul said two other things. He said in verse 2, he says, We give thanks to God for you always, in verse 2, and he says, Making mention of you in our prayers. You see, something, if we're truly thankful for the church, you know what we ought to be doing for the church every single day? We need to be praying for the church. Amen? We need to be praying for the church. We need to be praying for every aspect of the church. We need to be, you, you need to pray for me. You need to pray uh, for Brother Kevin. You need to pray for all of our deacons. You need to pray for all of our Sunday school leaders. You need to pray for every single ministry. You need to pray for our Awana. You need to pray for every single one of our Awana leaders. You need to pray for every single function, every single ministry of the church and keep it before the Lord. Continue to listen. A praying church is a powerful church. A prayerless church is a powerless church. 
Say, oh, well, Brother Esty, I've, I've got reasons of why I don't like the church. I've got reasons, you know, of, of, of things that I've got against the church. Well, you know what? The fact is the structure of the church is absolutely perfect because Jesus is the head of the church. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And all of that is absolute perfection. But you know what? It's made up of individual members and every single one of those individual members are imperfect. Amen? I am. You are. Every single one of us are. So for that reason, shouldn't we pray all the more? Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 again. Here it was that the Apostle Paul, he's, he's thankful for the church, all the things that are going on. He's writing a letter to them, addressing some needs. But he says to them in verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, As we night and day keep praying, and most earnestly that we may see your face, and we may complete what is lacking in your faith. Oh, I don't like that, Pastor. Have you prayed for Amen? I don't like that Sunday school teacher. Have you prayed for him? I like that deacon. Have you prayed for him? You believe that God's almighty and all-powerful? See, prayer does two things. It changes other things. also changes us. <laughs> Amen? Paul told the church of Thessalonica, you're lacking in some things. I'm writing this letter to you to address some of those things, but you know what? I'm praying for you. Praying for you. Mill Creek is a good church. I am abundantly honored and blessed to be your pastor. There's some churches out there that if God called me to, I'd pretty much have to have Jesus come stand physically in front of me and say, you're going. Amen? <laughs> There's some tough churches out there. I praise God for Mill Creek Baptist Church. For what God has done through the church and what God is doing through the church. And I believe all of the great, wonderful things that He's going to continue to do through the church. But it doesn't mean we're not lacking. I'm imperfect, you're imperfect. Every one of us have ways in which we need improvement. Every single one of us. Amen? Ministry, the function, things that we do. Maybe there's some things that we need to do differently. Maybe there's some things that we need to incorporate. Whatever those are. But you know what? When we go before the Lord Jesus Christ and we pray, we pray as a body, He's going to supply Amen? 
See, the only way you're going to be even willing to pray for your church is if you're thankful. Are you thankful for your church today? You know, when I hear people today, and I'm going to close in this, we'll go ahead and have our praise team come on up this way. I hear people say, oh, well, I'm not going to go to the church. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to go to any church. There's too many hypocrites in the church. And there are too many hypocrites in the church. Amen? But praise God, the gym lets out of shape people go too. Amen? Because we all need to be there. That's what I've been told anyway. I've, never, I've not actually gone to check that out for myself. Maybe I do. But you know what, tell, what tells me when that individual says there's too many hypocrites in the church? That tells me more about their spiritual condition than it actually does about the church. Amen? Well, let's stand this morning. Friend, this morning as we're gathered together, maybe there's some in here today that aren't a member and you want to become a member. I invite you to do that. We'd love to have you. If you qualify as being a member of our church, we'd love to have you. The only way you can become a member of a church is if you're saved. Can't be a part of a church if you're not saved. Because the church is bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Every single member needs to be bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Today, if you're not saved, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'll give you an opportunity to come today and ask Jesus Christ in your heart. No, I don't know what to do. Well, come up here. I'll be more than happy tell you exactly what you need to do. You come. Maybe you're here today and another decision's on your heart. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Listen, I'm not blind, I know. Church didn't hurt you, but an individual within the church did it. That doesn't represent Jesus. And those hurts are painful. Let's deal with it. Let's pray through it. Amen. Whatever that might be on your heart this morning, you come as God so leads. This altar's open for you. You come as the Lord directs your heart and as Brother Keith leads us in song.